Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, I'm joined by Maheen Memon the Director of Customer Success from Newlogy, based in Toronto, Canada. Although today she's coming to us from the Bahamas because she's on vacation. <laughs> so we really appreciate her joining us today. Um, Maheen really grew up in customer success at Newlogy and has been there for the past five years. Today we're going to be talking about how you can drive revenue through customer success. This can be a little bit of a controversial topic in our field, so I'm really excited to hear Maheen's take on it. And Maheen, welcome to the show, and thanks again for joining us from your vacation. Thanks, Kristen. It's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to uh, to talking about this topic with you guys. Can you give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you made the transition from planning and operations to customer success? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so my, my career path has been actually quite interesting. I uh, started off my career in supply chain after graduating as a systems engineer, uh, almost, I'd say probably about a decade ago. Uh, okay. And I first joined my first organization actually was UPS, a supply chain division. So I spent uh, several years there. And then after being there for a while as an internal consultant and kind of working on numerous projects, I decided that I wanted to go off and, and do a postgraduate degree. And I focused actually on my uh, on doing an MBA. Um, and after my MBA, I, I decided that I really wanted to focus on um, supply chain from a retail perspective. And I joined um, a couple sort of organizations up here in Canada. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Hudson Bay Company. Yeah. Uh, and then I also joined uh, Walmart Canada shortly after. Um, spent about a couple years in the retail side, and I realized that supply chain retail wasn't the space I really wanted to be in. I wanted to really be more on the innovative side of supply chain, and, and that's where Newlogy came in. Um, I learned uh, about them from a formal, former colleague of mine that used to work uh, at UPS, and he actually mm -hmm. introduced me to their customer success team. Okay. So I joined Newlogy in 2013, uh, and I was their third hire at the time. Uh, and over the past five years, the team's doubled in size, and I've really helped shape grow um, the customer success practice to where it is right now. Awesome. Can I ask a, a quick question? I, this is a question I get a lot. Um, how do you feel like your MBA contributes to your career and customer success? I have mine as well. And, I, and because of that, I get a lot of questions in that area. W what do you feel you got, got from your MBA that is helping with your career in our field right now? I think one of the things that um, uh, any any I guess degree I think specifically an MBA provides is I think the understanding of how to look at business very holistically. Yeah. Uh, the neat thing in is about customer success is we touch so many different departments, and if you don't really understand what other departments are doing, 
uh, it kind of can, I guess, uh, impact your growth or perspective of how to build and scale a team. And it being kind of a business administration, really understanding the structure of putting behind, I think teams is really, really key too as well. I, I honestly appreciated the strategy component of doing an MBA and also understanding kind of how all the different pieces of business kind of interlay together to really uh, round out, uh, I guess, commerce in general. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that with the audience. That's a question that comes up a lot. Can you tell us a little bit more about Newlogy? Sure. So Newlogy um, is a cloud-based supply chain software provider. Uh, we provide products and services specifically in the contract packaging and manufacturing space. So I, it's, it's probably like, okay, what does that mean? Um, so I'm going to use an example to kind of share sh and showcase what that actually is. So let's say you're shopping at Walmart. Okay. And you often see products like a four pack of Dove soap on the shelf. Right. And you might think Unilever, the brand that actually makes Dove soap, does the packaging for that soap. And uh, they actually don't. They actually outsource that to a contract packager. So that's where Newology comes in. Um, our software provides contract packages to track all the pieces to make that product. So from receiving to the uh, receiving all the correct components to packaging it all together and then shipping it back to the Walmart stores. And then hopefully that kind of gives you a bit of a visual of what uh, a contract packager does. Ultimately, our mission at Newology is to help drive out waste on a global scale and helping build profitable and sustainable supply chain networks. And that's kind of what uh, we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Very cool. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is I get to learn about companies I never would have known existed. <laughs> so, uh, Because you're right, I would have just assumed that Unilever was making the packaging as well as the soap. So very cool. Um, I want to get into our topic. So it really came out of a blog post that you contributed to called Eight Tips and Tricks from a Customer Success Expert. And one of your tips really focused on viewing CSMs as money makers instead of viewing customer success as a cost center like customer support. Why do you think that is so important? So I, it's, it's an interesting question. I honestly think customer success is an integral part of any growth set um, mindset or organization. Mm -hmm. uh, CSMs are often regarded as the ones who own the customer relationship and plays a role of the trust advisor. So a lot of the newer departments you see out there often form as an offshoot of customer support, and they have a very sort of passive mindset towards client management. And if you are a cost center, your ability to ensure the client's needs are central to all discussions are very limited, let alone the ability to participate in strategic business discussions. So Let's see, the, the, the role of uh, CSM in a revenue gener generation mode really shifts mm -hmm. your perception as an organization from being a client's voice as a recommendation to something that's fundamental to the success of the company. When CSMs are accountable for cross-sell, upsell, and renewals, alongside like softer metrics like NPS, client health, you really ensure the strategic discussions are being managed in a holistic manner than, than a typical sales focus. Got it. By making revenue a performance metric for the CSM team, it allows you being front and center of all these conversations about growth, both internally as well as with the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting um, because it is sort of controversial that um, people don't don't think about CS driving revenue. I think even when they're not necessarily responsible for sales, they're still maybe driving revenue. Um, many customer success teams seem to really shy away from having anything to do with money and revenue. And when you ask them why, the most common answer that I hear is it would erode their position as a trusted advisor to the customer. And so I guess I'd like to hear your take on that stance. Sure. 
Um, so I get that many customer success teams rely on the separation from sales to create a trusted advisor persona to do their work. But I argue this stance really depends on the industries you serve. Um, let's use like Newology as an example. So we have, a, there's an expectation for our CSMs to be front and center in leading strategic growth discussions. And often our recommendations to our customers are turned into revenue opportunities. Okay. We generally don't onboard uh, that many passive clients. Uh, and our customers actually want us to grow and scale their business. And it's really one of the reasons why they bought our solution in the first place. So I would say that if they... Um, if they really want someone to help them create opportunities for driving efficiency and promoting managed growth, this often leads to the CSM talking about upsells and cross-sells. Okay. Um, but really, at the end of the day, we're primarily accountable to branding churn. In our industry, it happens because you oversell and it doesn't actually build a rapport with the client. And this happens if you don't demonstrate the, um, the value of the solution that you're actually providing to the customer. Mm -hmm. By understanding the client's needs, recommending the necessary modules and solution services can help drive revenue while being the trusted advisor. It not only strengthens, strengthens our relationship with the customer, but it showcases that the value that CSMs bring back to their organization are being accountable to revenue. Okay. So because this is controversial, I'm just going to say for the remainder of our interview, let's assume all of us, the audience too, we're all on the same page and we agree that the CS team should be accountable for revenue. So what does that mean? And I guess specifically, I'd like to hear in what ways should they generate revenue? Sure. So every organization is a little bit different and I would divide the types of revenue CSM should be accountable for in three streams. So let's first start with renewals as that's an easy mm -hmm. one. So this is usually tied to a subscription-based model. Uh, as a CSM, the first question you ask, were you able to retain the customer? Uh, were you able to increase the renewal percentage from their previous renewal? These are typically tracked with key metrics like customer renewal rate or the MRR or ARR. Next, we have cross-sells and upsells uh, during the life cycle of the customer. And is, this, is customer success offering the right cross-sell and upsell opportunities to benefit the customer? And some key metrics to this would be the average revenue per customer or lifetime, the customer lifetime value. I think I want to jump in on that one a little bit because I, I think also, um, you know, even if the CSMs are not the ones actually doing the cross-selling and upselling, you can still measure the impact that they have on cross-sells and upsells by looking at metrics like leads handed off to the sales team or um, conversations that have been had about new products or um, services that the customer might benefit from. So there's there's ways to tie it to customer success, I think, even if the CSMs are not actually the ones doing the selling. I don't know if you've run into that at all in your work, but um, I wanted to throw that in no. there. <laughs> No, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. I think it, it, it makes sense that uh, you can track metrics kind of outside of what is kind of within the CS domain, but totally makes sense. And um, I was going to add the third stream that I had was last one that often gets forgotten. Some organizations have services. Uh -huh. um, so you have a services arm uh, to generate revenue uh, with your customer base. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing is also uh, that most customer success teams uh, already track these metrics in each of the domains. They just don't measure it with dollar signs because you beat around the bush with abstract measures like customer health, NPS, churn ratios. 
We have no way of comparing or tracking the cost of maintaining each customers. For this reason, sometimes customer success teams are perceived as out of touch as they use hours and hours of tech support to maintain a low volume client. By uh, tying revenue and accountability to the CSM, you make sure that the, their focus is addressing the client's needs um, in a tempered way by using one of these three levers as they see fit. So need to retain a large client as an example, take a hit on a module or services, and but do it in a way that tracks the overall cost versus benefit. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um, it's it is a nice way to sort of balance the level of service that you're delivering to all of the clients in your base, and and making sure that it it makes sense from a business standpoint too. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I want to share some information about the customer success workshops we offer at the Success League. Each of the classes we teach as a part of our CSM training program is also offered in a two to three hour expanded workshop format. These on-site sessions are designed to provide a rich learning experience for customer success teams and include group discussions, team exercises, and tools that team members can put to use right away. Some of the recent topics we have been addressing through these workshops are engaging executives, uncovering opportunities, building persuasion and negotiation skills, and managing time. If you have a customer success team event coming up, consider adding one of our half or full day workshops to build your group's skills and drive teamwork. I also want to mention a terrific resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build the customer success function within their organization. For more information about either the workshops or the ebook, you can visit the successleague.io or strikeduck.com. And now back to our interview. Focusing on revenue generation isn't a simple thing to juggle. So how do you see CSMs balancing that revenue generation and a focus on that with all of the day-to-day things that they're doing to maintain their customers? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, I actually see it a little bit different from the conventional opinion. I think if you're if you're taking if you've only been taking care of the customers without talking about new modules, services, or capability, I would argue that you really haven't been taking care of them. Um, and it's not about uh, revenue generation on one hand and customer ma- maintenance on the other hand, but instead a combined approach for looking at the best way to enable the capabilities that a customer is looking for. So I'm going to use a little bit of a cell phone example here to really articulate kind of my, my point. Okay. So imagine that you have um, uh, you have a plan with a cell phone company right now, but you only have it uh, limited to uh, U.S. for calling. But you want to start checking email on your phone Um and let's say the customers, your customer success manager at the cell phone company calls you one day and they were just checking in with you and they realize this need. Now, don't you think it's better that the CSM can now just make that change in your account, enable data right away? Or would it be better to hand them off to a sales team and maybe try selling you a voicemail bundle with a data plan or advanced functionalities that you don't really want? Like how annoying would that be? 
it would be annoying. <laughs> it would be really annoying. You just wanted to speak to someone, your customer success manager to get your needs met. So if you actually really put this analogy kind of to your organization, your CSM team is really there to maintain a high customer satisfaction and lower churn by just having an understanding of how to grow your account from the customer's perspective. Got it. I know that some sales teams get really nervous about CS teams being involved with revenue, and they see it as maybe a threat to their commission or a threat to their job security. How do you see customer success and sales working together on customers or on deals? And how has that worked out in your own experience? That's a great question. I I really think that customer success and sales need to work together as deals close in a true partnership. Um, Each team can't work in silos as it is going to jeopardize the customer relationship and experience. Um, The CSM usually takes a lead. They own the relationship and they loop in the sales team when needed. And it's a good balance as the CSM advocates for the customer while the sales team can be kind of seen as negotiator, sort of that good cop, bad cop sort of balance. Um, Got it. And at yeah. Neology, we've actually structured compensation for customer success and sales to have a piece of the commission. So this way, each team knows that they're working on for a common goal uh, by closing the deal. Uh, and each way is also, each team is also aware that they're compensated uh, this way, which removes the friction when they're working on a deal. And so far, we've really found that this sort of structure works well for our organization. Yeah, I've seen that work well in some of the organizations we work with at the Success League as well, where, you know, after the initial sale, there's a there's a CSM who's kind of owning the relationship with the account. And then as they uncover opportunities, they're looping in, um, depending on the kind of opportunity sometimes. But, uh, you know, in some of the companies we work with, they're, they're bringing somebody from account management in for any opportunity. Um, but they're working together as a team. And so I think it's really neat that you guys have looked at that from a compensation standpoint as well. Um, and I wanted to ask about that. So variable compensation is something that I get asked about a lot. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So uh, I wanted to ask how you have seen CSM teams effectively compensated for their rev gen efforts. You said you're doing that, and I'd love some more details on what you're up to there. Sure. So I've seen a variety of approaches for variable compensation. I would say that uh, most customer success teams have this type of compensation, uh, tend to have clear boundaries with other teams, and a, a mix of team and individual metrics. Um, to be honest, like I think that this type of incentive really helps uh, align strong sort of ties with sales and customer success together. Um, but but the thing is, maybe it's a type of customers or companies I interact with. I don't really see a lot of fixed compensation models in, in customer success teams in my crowd. And that's probably because we we are in the kind of the B2B space with, with high growth ambitions and variable costs to make more sense mm-hmm. um, for the whole team who have aggressive sales goals. And that the customer success team can be relied on to grow the customer even after they're onboarded. Okay. And one of the things that we actually do um, to really stop our CSMs from going full boiler room is we use a team (laughs) team performance metric. So everyone on the team has to generate revenue uh, for each of their accounts. And at the end of the year, it gets pulled together. Okay. So if everyone's selling well, everyone benefits. Uh, So far, it's strengthened the CSM uh, team dynamic uh, with other client-facing teams, and they've also started adopting this sort of variable compensation structure. Awesome. 
I, I've talked to many customer success leaders who are asked to own a number, but aren't given the opportunity to contribute to the planning that went into creating that number. So how would you recommend that customer success leaders go about getting that uh, quote unquote seat at the table um, so that they have input into the numbers that they're responsible for? That's a great question. So I would say that uh, when a company is looking to grow, let's face it, that's like every company out there. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you don't make money, you're just a cost. And when CSMs shy away from owning accountability for revenue, I feel like they're already giving up their quote unquote seat at the table. Now, when it comes to locking in a number, uh, this is when customer segmentation and some basic analytics come into play. So okay. at the start of the year, you want to look at your client composition and with some simple math, you can find out what your expected growth potential will be for these clients for each segment. I know there's a little bit of math a magic behind there, but it's not as lofty as some of those random sales targets you see out there. So you know the farmer and hunter analogy? Well, if a farmers can predict how their crops are for the, we'll do in a year, uh, then you can do the same thing for what you need also as well for CSM. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, some people sort of get a little intimidated by that. It, and really, it's just a goal setting exercise like you do in any other part of your life. You just take the data, you look at what happened last year, you might have some data cleanup homework that you have to do to get the data that you need. But um, you know, it's worth it because it does get you that seat at the table. And then, you know, come up with goals that are challenging but achievable and start to, you know, put them out there and measure against them. Once you've gone through that exercise a few times, I think you start to develop a comfort level. Um, I think maybe some of the reason why we don't see CS leaders uh, with that seat at the table is because they're uncomfortable sort of putting themselves out there in that way. And I would, I would encourage everybody to go ahead and do it. It's, it's scary the first few times, but one of the things that's true about leadership teams, I believe, is that, you know, they're, they're used to seeing goals be put out there in either way overachieved or way underachieved and then making changes accordingly. That's what executives get paid to do. So <laughs> it won't be, it won't be the end of the world if you put something out there and you don't hit it, you'll just need to adjust. So no, I, 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 yeah, they just need to be courageous, I think. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask, many CSMs have never been responsible for revenue before because maybe they came out of the product team or maybe they came out of the support team and they can be a little nervous about it. Um, how do you make sure that when you're hiring CSMs, um, that they're comfortable owning a metric like that? Um, or how do you get them to be comfortable? What, what do you look for in the CSMs you're hiring? You know, it's, it, you're actually right. Like most CSM candidates don't have the inherent skills to own revenue metrics. And most of them don't even have conflict resolution, uh, resolution skills or even the basic negotiation skills I feel are, are essential for customer success managers. But uh, at Lulogy, uh, we use a stage learning approach. So where new CSMs are assigned to senior CSM buddies. So we let the seniors demonstrate how they can manage this form of relationship and gradually let the newbies take responsibility for clients. Okay. So furthermore, by segmenting our our client our client groups, um, we can ensure that the volatile, high pressure uh, clients with large revenue profiles are handled by more senior CSMs, and we okay. let the the new CSMs uh, develop um, with their our sort of SMB clients. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. 
But when I hire, um, I look for someone that has a, an attitude of a go-getter, uh, someone that's goal-oriented and has a growth mindset. Typically, these characteristics uh, make uh, a really great CSM when it comes to having them own, own uh, revenue. And as far as experience, to, to answer your question, uh, if a CSM has previous experience in solutions engineering, growth marketing, or supported sales teams in the past, it's usually a good fit too as well. Cool. So let's say I'm a customer success leader who wants to shift the perception of my department from being a cost center to being a revenue driver. So what are some good first steps that I could take? Sure. I have, I have a couple here. So okay. um, the first step uh, is I would actually do some analysis on where your revenue streams are coming from. Uh, is it from existing customers or new logos? Uh, and if it's predominantly from existing customers, then you have a great business case to start shifting the perception. Um, secondly, I would try to understand um, the importance of retention and churn within your organization. Are these two metrics highly regarded? Uh, does the board review these numbers regularly? And if so, then you have a strong business case to own revenue and customer success. And my, my last sort of, uh, I guess, say step would be uh, I would experiment to have your team owning the revenue discussions with the sales team as support on a few problem clients. There's no better way to prove your case by running a pilot for a quarter or two and then reviewing the results. At worst, uh, you've helped them manage a difficult conversation with a, a, a high-risk client. At best, you've revived an account and demonstrated that the power of CSM-led engagements going forward. Very cool. Thanks for those suggestions. I think the audience will really appreciate that. Uh, I want to ask you a final question, and this is something that we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? That's a great question. So uh, I kind of kind of summarize it probably in, in a couple words here. So data, data, and more data, and machines <laughs> interpreting that data. So okay. uh, at times it's it's overwhelming as a CSM to manage your customer population. Uh, with better analytics and some upcoming machine learning tools, now you can see uh, approaches that are emerging uh, that are incredibly effective in predicting health scores, usage downturns, and effectively forecasting when a customer is about to churn. Uh, but one thing I'm, I'm beginning to see is an emerging gap between customer success teams that have adopted this way of finding and leveraging this untapped data versus those who are who can't and they're getting quickly overwhelmed. So uh, okay. if you're ignoring data, do it at your own peril. Yeah, I think that data is so important. I'm I'm excited to see new tools come online that help um, clean up data for customer success teams. I think that there are a lot of people, I mentioned this earlier, but there's a lot of people who sort of feel very overwhelmed by the data that they have or they're concerned about its level of accuracy. And that's impacting some of the things we talked about around building smart metrics and goals. And and so, you know, I'm excited to see the technology develop and grow in our field. And, um, you know, the data is what's going to enable us, I think, to, you know, be very predictive of what customers need and help us to just create these amazing customer experiences. So I think you're absolutely right. And I'm excited to see how it grows from here. So, Mahin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today to talk about this critical topic. I know that our audience 
took away some great insights on the ways customer success can move toward being a revenue driver. I really like your ideas on setting boundaries so you aren't distracted from your core focus as a customer success team. And to me, it seems like whether or not someone agrees with you about owning revenue, they should definitely agree with you that customer success is not the same as support and that there should be some sort of revenue number, even if they don't directly drive it, that they're accountable for. So I really appreciate your advice and time today. I appreciate you joining us from the Bahamas on your vacation. And I hope that after this, you plan to go snorkeling or something really cool. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Kristen. It was a pleasure chatting uh, with you. And I hope the listeners got a sense of why customer success, uh, it's important to own revenue. And uh, if you want to continue this conversation, you can feel free to connect with me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at Mahin underscore Memon or look me up on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. 